Thanks for checking out the Relentless Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. What's going on, guys? Today is week three, the final week of our series we've done through the entire month of February called Everyone Always. Say that with me, everyone always. Everyone? That was a good try. Say everyone. Always. Good. Good. Everyone always. This is week three. Like I said, if you weren't here for weeks one or two, then you can go online. You can actually check out in the Apple Podcasts uh, app. We got a podcast. Just search for the Relentless Podcast, and that should be us. Uh, You can go back and listen to them and just hear my awesome voice throughout the week. I know it's not the best, but, you know, it's something, so it's better than nothing. And some of you, anybody listen to the podcast, you enjoy the podcast, you like it, Nobody. Perfect. Michelle? Thank you, Michelle. I will... Michelle, if you're listening to this podcast later in the week, what's up? That'll totally blow your mind, because she'll be listening to it, like, and, and then be like, whoa, did he just... It's, I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, so let me get into tonight. All right, you guys may not be aware of this, because some of you are quite a bit younger than me. Shocker. Uh, but there was a fashion style back whenever I was in high school that, uh, that was, was a pretty popular thing, and it kind of relates to tonight. So uh, there was this fashion style where it was like a popular thing to do to wear shirts like, uh, like any of you, like your dad or somebody wears like those shirts that they're buttoned down and they have like a, their name patch sewn onto them. You know what I mean? Like sometimes mechanics wear those, or if you work at a chemical plant, something like that. Uh, it was a big, like, cool thing to do. I know, don't make fun of me, but this was because we're laying back in the day. But it was a cool thing to do to wear, like, those shirts open, you know, with, like, a T-shirt underneath it with somebody else's name. So you'd go to, like, the thrift store or something, and you'd, you'd buy, like, you know, half a dozen, and they'd have random names. So, like, one would say, like, like Alejandro. One would say, like, John. One would say, like... So you'd wear these shirts, and it was, like, a really cool thing to do, wasn't it, Christy? Back me up on this so I'm not, I don't just sound like a loser. So it was a cool thing to do. The problem was not everybody knew that this was a cool thing to do. So like at the height of their popularity, I happened to be wearing one of those shirts and it said Jesus on it, which I thought was ironic because, you know, Jesus. And so I have, which some of you are like, I don't get it, but you'll get it later. Anyway, so I happened to be wearing that shirt to church one night. It was a youth, youth night, a Wednesday night. I was wearing that shirt and an older person who was not in touch with this was like, that's so great. You got a shirt that says Jesus on it. Where did you get, did you get that at the, at the bookstore? Can I purchase that for myself? And I was like, uh, it says like, Jesus's AC on this side. And then it says, I'm Jesus. I was like, no, that's not actually my name. And, and it's not actually Jesus. Like it's a shirt. It was confusing because I was wearing a name tag that wasn't mine. And, and then there was this other kid that was like, so is your name Jesus? And I was like, no. And he's like, why is that the name on your shirt? I'm like, because it is. It was really deep conversations, you could tell. Anyway, that has nothing to do with tonight. Well, it does, but we'll get to it in a minute. So the, uh, every week of this series, we've been focused on one main scripture, and that is Matthew 7, 12. It's on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. And the context there is Jesus is asked, which commandment, which law, which rule uh, is the most important? You know, back in those days, they had hundreds of laws that they had to follow in order to be uh, right with God. And so these people are trying to actually trap Jesus, and they're like, all right, Jesus, which one's the most important? And Jesus looks at them in that moment and says, actually, uh, all of them come down to this golden rule. He He tells them to love God and others, but he says, essentially, how you relate to people is treat others how you would like to be treated. 
And that's really what everything comes down to, is you treat others like you'd like to be treated. And so each week we focus on a different aspect of everyone always. Week one we talked about love everyone always. How everyone we uh, communicate with, everyone we interact with, we should work towards loving that person like Christ loves that person. Now that's not always easy. Uh, Sometimes it's easy to do with people we like or people we appreciate. It's not easy to do with one person that we just can't stand. And yet the Bible says you're supposed to, so you have to work towards that. Last week we talked about uh, respect everyone always, how most of us would say that when we interact with people, the base starting level of how they should treat us is just with respect. Respect as a human being, respect as, as if they appreciate our value as a human, as a Christian, as a person, They respect us, and in order to do that, we should respect them, and we talked about a few different things within that. Uh, If you haven't already listened to the podcast, actually, last week's sermon audio, live audio, got messed up, so I went back and recorded it like a podcast, like an actual just me talking, so if it sounds weird, that's why. But, you know, it makes it more personal, so, you know, if you just want to hear, I don't know, that at home, you can do that. This week, we're going to talk about a little different thing, but honestly, it's the most important of all these. The way we interact with people, it's the most important thing that we should remember when we interact with people, and that is be Jesus to everyone always. It's on the screen behind me. This week says be Jesus to everyone always, and I want to kind of explain that a little bit deeper than just the surface there. Look, loving others is great. Respecting others is great, and I don't want to take away from those, but at the very core interaction, the very first thing that we should be about, that we should be aware of when we interact with people as Christians, we should be presenting or being Jesus to everyone always. It's the most important thing. Even Jesus himself said in the book of Luke, he says, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. He didn't say he came to heal us. He didn't say he came to love us. He didn't say he came to to give you the things you want or bless you. All those things come with it. But he says, ultimately, first and foremost, Jesus came to find and restore the lost. And then not only did Jesus do that, but Jesus' last words on this planet recorded is in the book of Acts. It's in the first chapter. Jesus is getting ready to do his thing and fly off into heaven. And right before he does, he says these words in verse 8. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you or when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be able to be my witnesses. You will be able to tell people about me in Jerusalem and all over Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. Now, he's not just talking only those countries. He's telling us in our context today that means across the street, that means in your schools, that means with your friends, that means all over the place. You should be witnessing, you should be telling people, you should be presenting or being Jesus to people at all times. Every single person I know, and you know probably, would be better off if Jesus was the priority, the center, the focus, the core of their life. Everyone. Now, not everyone would admit that, and not everyone is comfortable with that thought, but just think about it. The worst person you know would be better off with Jesus in the center of their life. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you're You just understand, even if you were a person that you think Jesus and Christianity is not real, you know, Jesus isn't a real person, you still could admit that if you were a Christian, in theory, you would be better off than not believing in him. Why? Because just the principles of Christianity alone make people better people. Loving others, respecting others, treating people well, peace, joy, all these things that come with Christianity, just without even believing in Christ, make people a better person. But we as believers that believe that Jesus is real, that believe that his life-changing power and ability can work within us, that believe that the Holy Spirit should be in our lives, we definitely should believe 
that every single person is better when they're in tune and with how they were created, and that's with Jesus at the center of their lives. So, why don't we do this better? Now, how, let, me, let me just ask you, how many of you have told somebody who didn't know about Jesus about Jesus in the last week? Show of hands. Show of hands, real quick. You told somebody about Jesus who didn't know about it. That's what I thought. In the last month, you've told somebody who didn't know about Jesus, you, you had a conversation about Jesus. The last year. Okay, a couple more, good. Ever in your life. Good, okay, so some of you. Now that's, I, I'm not belittling that you had that conversation, but what I'm saying is if Jesus said that's why he came to this earth, and if then he tells us what you should do is tell others, we should be a little bit better at it by now, right? Like, I, I don't want to, I'm talking to myself. I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't go talk to somebody about Jesus today for the first time. Now, now, if you've never heard about Jesus, check that box, I got you. But it's not a common daily practice of mine, and that should change. Now, does that mean that you should skip school every day to go witness to people? Probably not. You would think so, but probably not. But it does mean that you're a little bit more alert. And we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit tonight. Um, and in a couple different ways. But I think, honestly, the, the number one reason that we don't communicate Jesus better or we're not Jesus to people better, first and foremost, is because we already communicate things to them before we ever get to Jesus. Think about that. We already communicate something long before we get to Jesus. Now, there's a couple of thoughts I want to approach this one. The first thought I want to throw at you is what I call the constant sign. Everybody say the constant sign. Come on, say the constant sign. And here's what I mean. Every single one of us wears a sign. Every single one of us walks around life with a sign. This is a great photo opportunity if you've got your phones. You can tweet this later or snap this to someone. Yeah, I figured it would be. Every single one of us, every single one of us Where's a constant sign? And the problem is, what it should look like is this. Look, can I write this upside down? This is going to be tough. I got it. This is going to be kind of backwards, but just let's hope this is clear. Is the S is backwards? Oh. It's not backwards, it's spelling. It's hard to spell upside down. Is that right? That's how you spell Jesus, right? Okay. We're just learning a lot tonight. We're learning a lot. What's sad is the blank one won't make it on social media. The, the misspelled one will. It's all right. So here's the point. What it would look like if we were doing our job is the first thing people would see when they get up to us is what? It's spelled right now, Jesus. This is as Christians, this is what they should see when they first see us, Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you're like long flowing hair and a beard and robes and they see Jesus. I don't mean it like that. You don't walk around like this, you know, the drama cross. I don't mean it like that. I mean they should see the characteristics of Jesus at work in your life. When someone interacts with you, they should leave feeling like they were in the presence of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always perfect. That doesn't mean that we glow like from the heavens or anything cheesy or like that. What I mean is the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit or the people that are filled with God's Spirit should have these qualities in their life. What are they? Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. If people interact with you and walk away and don't feel at least some of those things, you're not filled with the Spirit. It's not at work in you. And so the problem is, this is what we should see, or what people should see whenever they first interact with us. The problem is, long before they see Jesus, we show them other things. Jesus? Yeah. Long before they see Jesus, we show them other things. Things like, um, well, let's just do this this way. Spell this correctly. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm writing on this. We'll get there. Just be patient. That's the most interesting thing you've seen all day. You didn't know this was going to happen tonight. So long before, like, we internally are like, man, I wish somebody would just see Jesus in my life. But we, our body language and our sign says, don't talk to me. What's the international sign for don't talk to me? Look at your phone or put your headphones in. You ain't even listening to anything. There ain't no music playing. You know. You ain't even listening to anything. You want to hear what's going to be said around you, but you don't want people to talk to you, so you put your headphones in. I'm not the only one that's ever done that. Right? And so we, we want to say, let's see if I can spell it right this time. We want to say Jesus. We want to say Jesus. But in larger letters, before they can even see Jesus, they hear, don't talk to me. Our, our face, our, our, our countenance. And not necessarily because we have headphones in. This is not a headphones, anti-headphones conversation, but I'm just saying. That's what we communicate. Sometimes we want to we wanna communicate Jesus down here. Jesus. Can I write it? We want to communicate Jesus, but before they can see Jesus, they see this. You walk through the hallway and you see somebody like this, and you immediately are like, nope. Stress. Jesus is there somewhere, but before they see Jesus, they see stress, and they're like, mm, nope. Or, or maybe this word reads drama, and they're like, ooh, I'd love it. If, you know, you're thinking, I really hope they see Jesus, but now they see drama. Or they see problems. Or they see, you, you feel me? You get where this is going? What sign is your life wearing? Because all of us wear a sign. All of us are a walking billboard for something. Now, this isn't a, I understand you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we kind of judge a book by its cover. First impressions are made. It, it, you can't really help that. You can try to teach yourself to have an open mind, but the truth is people are going to see things whether you want them or not. So then you have to understand what are they seeing? What sign am I wearing? We cannot communicate Jesus to people when there is something more prominent displayed. And so you got to ask yourself, what am I displaying? Everybody say that. Say, what am I displaying? That was wonderful. Thank you. Ask, you got to ask yourself that. Thought number two, and I'm going to keep wearing this because I kind of like it. Thought number two is, if thought number one was the constant sign, thought number two is, it'll be on the screen, why tell other people? Why tell others? Why tell others? Now, that should be self-explanatory, but I want to dig into it a little bit. So there's this story in the, book, in the Bible, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. Some of you have never flipped that far back. It's okay. It's back there. Trust me. In the book of 2 Kings, there's this story about a city that is under siege. Everybody say siege. 
All right, so if you're not familiar with, with medieval warfare or, or, or biblical warfare, so the way this city is built and the way most cities were built is, so you had this entire like region here that was a, was a kingdom, so to speak, okay? And they had farms out here and, and lakes, I guess. And, you know, you had farms over here where crops are grown. That's a farm. Get over it. I don't know. I'm drawing upside down, all right, with a marker on a giant piece of paper. Chill. So they had all this. The pro- but in case of emergency, if an enemy army came in, they built what? They built a castle with walls. It's okay. You're good. It had walls. And so you had all this, this area that was the, the land, but if an emergency happened, if an enemy army came in, everybody retreated into the walls. And you had just one, usually like one main gate, and that's the way everybody came in or went out. And everybody would go into the castle. So we, we pick up in Second Kings with this story of a city that is under siege, meaning there is an army, an enemy army, that is camped all the way around this city like this. And all the people that live in this kingdom have gone into this village and they're inside the walls. Now, in those days, there's two ways that you would attack a a town like this. You would either attack with brute force. You try to scale the walls. Or if you had the equipment, you would try to take down the walls. But if you didn't, you would lay siege, which would mean you would surround the city. Because in the city, they had some supplies, but the bulk of what they needed, their farms were out here. Their livestock were out here. So after a while, they start running out of food. And so what this army did in 2 Kings is they surrounded the city, and then they put all their archers, all their bow and arrows, right here. And they said, when you get hungry, we dare you to come out the front door. Because they're just going to sit there and shoot them. And that's the way it works. They just wait, wait for them to starve. That's the way it goes. So that's what's going on in 2 Kings. They're all laid siege to this town, and God's people are right here in this in this city and they're just stuck. And it goes long enough that people start to starve to death. And then people start to turn to cannibalism. Yeah, you know it's bad when that's your only option. Like the walking dead or something. It's crazy. So here's the deal. We pick up this story in 2 Kings where these people are starving. And the story picks up with four lepers. Anybody know what a leper is? Not a leopard. Leper. It's, it's a diseased individual. We won't get into the, the disgusting details, but basically they're falling apart. Yeah, it's gross. So there's these four lepers who are terminal. They are dying. The long term will kill them, even if they don't starve. And they're sitting right here inside the city gates, and they're thinking to themselves, okay, in a short amount of time, we're going to starve to death. In a long amount of time, we're going to die of leprosy. Either way, if we stay here, we're dead. Our only option is to exit and just try to take our chances. To walk towards the enemy and just hope maybe they're nice. The worst thing that can happen is they kill us and we're going to die anyway. The best thing is they feed us and treat us like good prisoners. So one of the lepers speaks up and tells the other three this. They think he's crazy, but then their stomachs start growling a little bit and they think, well, I don't want to eat you, so let's give this a shot. Right? And that's where they're at. So they start to make their way out the front doors, walking towards the enemy lines. And the enemies are far out. They just can see their tents and their camps, and they know they're out there. The craziest thing happens, though. These four lepers get close to the enemy lines, and then they cross through the enemy lines, and no one shoots them. And they keep going, and then they realize as they get close enough, there's nobody there. 
the camp's deserted. It's tents and equipment and weapons and food and supplies, and it's all just laying there completely untouched. And so they think, well, this has got to be a trap. So they walk all the way around through the enemy camp, and they realize no one's there either. So what do they do? They start to eat. They sit down, they dig into their supplies, and the Bible says they eat and drink so much they gorge themselves. They are stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey. They are full. Then they get the idea that, you know what we should do is we should hide some of this material. We should take these supplies and we should take them to a nearby cave and hide them so that we can be fed for the rest of our time here. That's what they decide. Now, what we we won't get into right now, what the Bible actually says, is that what God did is he saw these people suffering and he, in the middle of the night, created a sound that scared the army so bad they ran away in fear. The army literally thought, heard a sound and thought, that's it. This, these people have hired an enemy army to come in and take us out. So let's run. So much so that they left everything there. So God did this amazing miracle. And here's the lepers. They're eating. And then they decide they're going to hide it. And then one of them speaks up and says, and it actually says, let me read the exact words. It says, we are not doing right. It says, today is a day of good news and we need to tell it. So rather than go hide the food and let the people in here starve to death, they go back in and they tell the people who are skeptical at first, they think it's a trap, and then they give it a shot and they go and they get out. And then there's, it says, the Bible says there's a great celebration as these people feast, knowing that they don't have to starve to death. They don't have to eat each other or their children or anything gross or weird. Yeah, that's what they're at. Uh, They celebrate. And it doesn't go into this, but I kind of just can picture the four Lepers kind of standing back or sitting down, probably because they're stuffed, watching people celebrate, watching these moms that were going to lose their kids celebrate because they have food, watching these people who were wasting away and on, on the verge of death celebrate as they eat food. And I have to think that they looked back on that and felt like we did the right thing. How do I know that? Have you ever tried to share something with somebody that you love? And then they enjoy it, and you're like, right? It's the best thing ever. Like, let me give you an example. So the first time I showed one of my kids Star Wars. Yes, I'm a dork. I love Star Wars. The first time Allie was old enough to watch Star Wars, and we finished it, and she was like, that was great. Is there more? And I was like, yeah, there is. Let's keep watching. There's like nine episodes. It was the best feeling. I was like, yes. Or, or maybe for me more personally, I had never tried... Uh, I'm going to say this wrong because I'm white, but I'm just going to say it. I'd never tried elote <laughs> until I got here. And then wh- I forget who it was. I don't even remember who it was, but they were like, you got to try it. And I ate it. And I was like, this has been missing from my whole life. Why have I never had this? It's the best thing ever. There's just something uh, overjoying in our lives. That's not a right word, but you know what I mean? Something in our lives just loves the opportunity to show someone something great. Now you, if you're smart, you know where I'm going with this. When you present Christ, when you tell other people about Christ and some people get it, there is something amazing about seeing someone that you told that you shared the news with, accept Christ and see their life changed. I'll never forget when I first started in youth ministry, at the very beginning, before I was a youth pastor, I was just kind of a youth leader helping out. I remember the first kid that whenever they were like leaders come down to the front and then you call everybody down and if you need prayer. I remember the very first kid that I actually got to pray with and they were like, I want Jesus. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. Cool. I know how to do that. 
And so I remember the first kid I prayed for. I remember when, when he accepted Jesus. I remember when he got baptized. And I can remember thinking, yes, I did that. Now, God did that, but I had a part in it. I told them, you know, or the first time that I invited somebody to church and they actually showed up. Because how many of you know, if you've been around church a long time, you invite people a lot, but they just don't show up. But the first time, right, you understand. But the first time they showed up and you're like, yes, I did that. I got them to church. Yay, God. It's a cool feeling. That's cheesy, but it's a cool feeling. So if you haven't already got the gist of this, the point you should be leaving with tonight is we should not only communicate Jesus to, to other people, but we should tell other people. And there's a couple practical ways to do that. I'm going to take this off because this is getting in my, in my way. There we go. All right. There's a couple, couple of practical things because I think this kind of is a scary thought. Like the Christian side of us is like, yes, we should do that. Absolutely. We should do exactly that. But then like the social anxiety kicks in and we're like, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to have to talk to people and share emotional things about things and stuff. What if I, what, I don't know the right things. So what if they ask me a hard question? What if they ask me why bad things happen to good people? And I don't really know how to respond to that. And then we shut down, right? So there's a couple of practical things I want to give you so that you're like, yes, I, I understand this. I want to do this. Now here's some things you got to know. Step number one, start with prayer. Duh. That should be like every Christian's number one thing, start with prayer. Why? Because I guarantee you, if you start your day with God today, you want me to tell people about you. I know that. Help me have the opportunity, and not only the opportunity, but help me have the words to say, guess what? God will give you the words to say. Now, you may not know until that point, and any of you who've heard me talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks through me sometimes, it's kind of like that. I don't necessarily know what he's going to say. He just says, go up to that person and start talking. And I'm like, okay, that's stupid, but okay. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's not even about what you say. Sometimes it's about listening. A couple of times in my life that I've actually got a chance to talk to people about Jesus, it wasn't because I said the right things. It was because I just asked the question that led them to just start talking, and I just listened. And at the end, I was like, that's all good. Let's pray. You know, I didn't have to say anything. So step one is start with prayer. Step two is, hang on, I'm getting a software update. There we go. All right, step two, go somewhere. Go somewhere. Now, let me, let me explain what I mean by that. A lot of times people say, oh, I, I, I've never, I don't have the chance to tell anybody about Jesus because pretty much everybody I talk to knows Jesus. You, if you're at church a lot, especially if you're like homeschooled or something like that, you're like, I don't, I'm not really around non-Christians that much. Now, I would say that most of us in this room probably, if, especially if you go to a school, you know some people that need Jesus. Like, that's not a hard thing to find. Some of you can throw a rock and hit 10 people that need Jesus, especially if you're walking down the hallway at school. Don't throw rocks in school, though. Like, they, they don't like that. It's an expression. Um, but sometimes you just have to go somewhere where you know people probably need Jesus. Now, this is not like a super weird thing. Like, you walk into a public place and step up on the table, and you're like, y'all need Jesus. That's not how it is. But sometimes you have to put yourself in an environment where you can actually share Jesus. If you're not around anyone who needs him, then there's not the opportunity to share Jesus. Now, here's the problem that I mentioned earlier. What if they ask hard questions? What if they ask questions about God that I don't know the answer to? What do I do with that? Anybody ever felt that way before? I know I have. I'm like, what if, what if they ask a question I don't know? And then like the whole reason they don't know Jesus is because I didn't know what to tell them. That's a lot of responsibility. I'm glad you asked that question. Step number three is, 
Wait for it, because it's fun. Know some things. <sighs> know some things. Now, this does not mean study and like, like, like memorize. And it's not a vocabulary test in which you have to like tell them, you want to know about Jesus? Okay, here's the 10 things I memorized. Number one, it's not like that. But you do need to know some things. Know a couple of things. Very basic, like, things about Christianity, about Christ that you can talk about. Things that you've probably experienced or understand yourself, but you've never really put uh, into words. Let me, let me give you a couple of for instances. Like, number one, do versus done. You'll see it up on the screen. Do versus done. One of the primary things you can tell people about Jesus, about Christianity, about all this, is the do versus done. Everybody say do versus done. Now, what I mean by that is religion. Religion, the idea of religion is based on do, on a to-do list of things that if you do these things, then you are a Christian. And one of the things you, that is very freeing to tell people about Christianity is that's not Christianity. That's not what Christ did. Christ didn't show up and say, here, do these things. Here's a list of behaviors and ways to act and all that. If you do these things, then you can be a Christian. That's not the way it works. With Christianity, Christ says it's done. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he came to earth, because he sacrificed, it's already done. All we have to do is believe. We have to accept it. That's it. Now, obviously, that with acceptance and belief comes obedience. We try to be more like Christ. But it's not because we earn it. It's because he already earned it. Some people struggle with Christianity because they don't, want, they don't like the to-do list. You know why that's hard? Because there's this super vague to-do list of things that we don't know how many things are on it, and we don't know if we've ever done it. And that's what people have a problem with. Well, I, can't, I, can't, I don't like church because I, I just feel like I can't live up to their expectations. What expectations? It's already been done. You just love, like, accept that Jesus is who he says he is, and then just try to be more like him. And for some people, that's a lot all at once. For some people, it's a little by day. The point is, is he at the center of your life, and are you trying to be more like him? If you can say yes to those two things, done. Second thing. Maybe the second thing, or maybe something you need to talk to them about is what I call the morality scale. It's, it's a scale-based thinking. There are some people whose concept of God is like a scale. There's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And really, at the end of my life, if I do more good stuff than I do bad stuff, then I go to heaven. And there's a lot of people who think this way. If I do more good than I do bad, I'm a good person, and yay me. And really, again, you can tell them that's not the way Christianity works. It's not based on how many good things you did or how many bad things you did. It's not based on your works. It's based on something very simple. The most simple, common scripture that you probably all know. The Bible teaches that salvation isn't behavior, it's belief in the cross. The number one scripture everybody knows, it's John 3.16. It's on the screen. I'm going to read it in a different translation because I feel like we're so familiar with the normal one. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, you see it on there, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now that's a different version. You've probably heard the version, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Most of us are familiar with that concept. Catch the middle part though. Whosoever believes in him, not whosoever does the most good, Whosoever does more good things than bad things, whosoever does all the things you're supposed to do to be a good Christian, no, whoever believes in Jesus, believes 
prioritizes, obeys, tries to be more like. That's all summed up in that one word. The original word is all of those things. Whoever believes, it starts with belief. That is freeing to people who feel like they have to meet all these requirements in order to come to Christ. Maybe a different one. Maybe it's the chasm. You'll see it on the screen. The chasm. There's this mindset that people get in sometimes that here's me on this ledge, and here's God on this ledge, and there's nothing in between us but a big pit full of all the stuff I've done in my life, full of my sin. And I can't connect to God because all of this stuff, all the bad things I've done in my life separate me from God. Now, the Bible does teach that sin separates us, but you know what? It also teaches that Jesus forgives our sin. And it also teaches that the cross is literally the way we go from where we are to where God is. Again, telling people that Christianity is important. Jesus is important because he bridges that chasm. Simple stuff, guys. And then the last, last thing that you can use is your story. It's funny that this is kind of how it ends because it actually leads into our series that we start next month. But one of the most powerful tools that everyone has that each of us have that you and I have in our lives as Christians is our story. Now you may say, you know, I don't have that impressive of a story. Growing up, I said that. I grew up in church. I was mostly a church kid. I didn't have some sort of like I was a drug dealer and like killed five guys. And then all of a sudden, like God showed up and like light in the middle of nowhere. And like, like this voice spoke to me and was like, lay down your weapons. Like, I wish I had that. Growing up, I wish I had that kind of a testimony. I remember going to a camp and hearing a dude that was like, man, literally it was that, that guy. He was like, dude, I stabbed like six dudes and I hated God and I ran from people and I killed anybody. Like, I remember hearing those testimonies and thinking, dude, that is awesome. I am never going to be that cool. You know what I mean? And people get saved. They're like, if he could get saved, I could get saved. And they're like, the, the altars are full with everybody like, God, I don't want to be a murderer. I just want to love you. I remember watching that thinking, those dudes are cool. One day I'm going to do some awful stuff so then I can get saved and have a cool story. Didn't turn out that way. You're welcome. But what I learned is that each of us have a story. Each of us know what it's like to remember who we were and what we were like and what life was like before Christ, before we had that encounter with Jesus. All of us experienced some stuff when we encountered Jesus that made some changes that affected us. We found some things. And then all of us have a after in our story. If you've met Christ, you have a before, you have a during, and you have an after. That is your story. And if you take some time and think about it, learn how to talk it out a little bit, you can sometimes reach people and communicate to people the truth of Christ by just telling them what you've been through. Does it require a little bit of openness and honesty on your part? Yeah. But a little bit of openness and honesty on your part could make all the difference in them knowing Christ and saving them for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to share a little bit of the stupid stuff I've done and the, uh, the ways I met Christ in order to change somebody's eternity. So here's where I want to wrap this up. And Trace, if you want to come up, Trace can play a little bit. Here's where I want to wrap this up. I want you to ask yourself a couple things. Because really what all this comes down to, this whole series, and especially tonight, what all this comes down to is do you believe that the news of Jesus is good news, is great news, and is worth sharing with others? I want you to ask yourself that. Do you really believe? You know what? Close your eyes. Because I feel like this is a moment where I, I really feel like you need to focus for a second. Do you believe that 
Jesus. That the fact that he died for us, the fact that we were sinners and were destined for an eternity apart from him. And yet he said, I will sacrifice my life for each and every one of us. Not only that, that he resurrects us. He raises us to life. That we on a daily basis don't just have to be happy that he saved us and one day we get to go to heaven, that we get to actively bring heaven to earth now. One of the greatest truths about the Holy Spirit is that once you're saved, it doesn't just stop there. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. He becomes a part of your life, the the Spirit of God, and then you actively help bring heaven to earth. You get to be Jesus to other people. You get to not only save them, but heal them, impact them, not because you're that great, but because you are filled with his Spirit and you allow it to work through you. That's such a cool thing. And if you've never experienced what that's like, having an impact on somebody's life, I encourage you to try it. So does Jesus. So you've got to ask yourself firstly, do you believe that the news of Jesus and what he did and who he is and how he affects our lives is worth sharing with other people? And if you can say yes to that question, then there you go. You've got your mission ahead of you. Share Jesus with everyone always. Do so with love. Do it with respect. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. You know what I mean. Sharing Jesus is not standing on a street corner with a sign that says you're going to hell if you don't love him and yelling at people. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's not Jesus. I'm not going to call anybody out, but that's not Jesus. Above everything else we do, If we do nothing in our lives right, we should at least be Jesus to everyone always. Always. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that you care about us so much, Lord, that when we were destined for eternity without you, God, you sent, you sacrificed your son. God, in that scripture that we all know so well that you sent your only son to this earth, God, that whoever would believe in him would not die but live eternally with you here and beyond here. God, I pray, my prayer really is that each and every person in this room know that truth. That every single person that can hear me talking, whether tonight or later in the week on the podcast, God wouldn't not just know that that's true for themselves, not just build their lives around you, God, but would take what we talked about to heart and would start to be the billboard for Jesus in their lives, in their schools, in their jobs, in their homes, if if they've got people that, that don't believe. Everywhere you go, God, everywhere that we go, I pray that we would be Jesus to everyone always and not just be Jesus, but help them find Jesus. God, let us know what it is to experience the joy that comes with telling people about you and then seeing you transform their lives, God. Help us to be Jesus to everyone, always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more from Relentless, hit subscribe or check us out on Instagram or Facebook.